how I feel about it is there's a level of, uh, of satisfaction in, in knowledge reinforcing that I can overcome challenges. I can face failure and find a different way, find a better way, find a new way. I can engage other people and let them help me because there are other people out there in this world who, who can help me and are, are, and are willing to help me and are willing to be my partners in facing these challenges. And those, those people are out there for, for whatever challenge it is, for the listener, whatever challenge you're facing in your life right now, there are people out there, there are groups of people, there are individuals, there are organizations that can help you. You just have to go talk to them. You got to pick up the phone. You got to show up at a meeting. You got to go on the website. You got to register for an event. Just do it. Just start engaging, getting out there and, and, and meeting the people who are, who are out there that can help you. Hi, this is Joshua Spodek, and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science. We can do this. This show is about personal responsibility, acting, and improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge was hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I'd done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you. Hear their struggles. And then act. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to commit to a public, personal challenge of your own. You're not alone, and you don't have to wait for others. You'll hear in this conversation why I expect to use this recording with Jim as an example for future guests and listeners probably like you who are signing up for personal challenges and do what happens to a lot of people. They say, I can do it. And then when you interface with the rest of your life, sometimes you realize, oh, wait, I didn't realize this thing or that thing. So you'll hear how he solved the issue for himself. Instead of spending less time with his family, he ended up achieving his goals slightly different, but spending more time with his family and creating projects to spend time with his kids and his wife. That's creating community. If you're here for leadership, not just the environment, you'll hear how leading others often solves problems. As with lots of conversations, when you talk about acting in the environment, in this conversation, you'll hear us talking about values and living by them. So without further ado, here's the next conversation. Jim, how are you doing? Good, Josh. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Good. I want to start off by people knowing why we're talking now, and it's not our second conversation. It's like our one and a half. Right. <laughs> so you emailed me just to update me on how things were going. Yeah. And part of the reason why I suggested to talk, not just you and me talking, but to record it, is that what I'm seeing a lot of is people have, they face challenges. It's not what they thought. And I think there's a lot of people out there and I don't know what listeners, how this fits with them, but like a lot of people, like they hit their first snag and they're like, oh, I can't do that. And well, there, I'm, I can say that was me for a lot of my life. I'd say like, I'm going to take on a challenge and it hit something unexpected and I give up. And I think in your case, I think a lot of people hear, oh, he made this mental shift and then he wrestled better. Right. But then seeing what happens in the moment is a totally other story. Yeah. Yeah. And so I wanted people to hear what's going on with you. So it's interesting because, you know, you talk about that mental shift for when I was wrestling, but it's like, you know, it's easy to like, we sit here and we can talk about the mental shift. But really what it looked like was a grown young man <laughs> who was very good at his craft and walking out of the wrestling room in tears someday. 
you know, some days just feeling like, why the hell can't I get to that next level? It was a lot of doubt and a lot of struggle. So this certainly isn't that at that level of sort of intensity, what we're going to talk about today, but it's, it's the same concept is like, there's an ugly middle. There's a messy middle that, uh, that I'm going through right now in terms of this challenge to reduce my carbon footprint. And so. You know, what I emailed you about is I said, I'm struggling to fit the bus trips into our life. And, you know, I said it adds an hour to my commute because just sort of the, the schedule of the bus, because I live in a, you know, a suburban area. There's not like a regular bus that serves this area or anything like that. So I'm outside of the city. So it's just like this, you know, there's one chance to get on in, in the morning and one chance to get home at night. And so that adds an hour to my work day, which so a lot of people might say, oh, what's the big deal? Well, I, I work a job where, you know, it's about 60 hours a week as it is. It's a lot of weekends, a lot of Saturdays, gone from the family a lot. And I've got four kids. So an hour less of them is is a big deal. You know, certainly one of my core values is is family. And so you may do like, hey, man, I'm just struggling to get these, uh, make these bus trips happen because it takes away from my family. So, you know, just kind of brainstorming, you just kind of like putting it out there and trying to think it through as I type it to you. And so one of the interesting things that that's come out of this it's forced me not forced me but i chose to have a conversation with all my kids my wife the six of us sitting down at the table for dinner a couple nights ago and i said hey listen uh my friend josh has challenged me to reduce our carbon footprint and you know my plan was to do the bus trips and and i can't do it you know i i choose not to do it because it would take away my time, my limited already time with you guys. I'm like, you guys, what do you guys think? You know, what are some ideas you have? My kids range from four through 12. Uh, so I got uh, varying levels of, uh, of suggestion. And my four-year-old, she just turned four. So she's basically was three actually at the time when we had the conversation. And uh, oh, happy birthday. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And she just vehemently said, no, daddy, you can take the bus. You can take the bus. It's okay, daddy. You can take the bus. <laughs> that was her solution. The other three suggested things like, what if we cut our showers down to five minutes? So we're using less hot water, less water to heat. So it reduces the carbon footprint, but also the amount of, also the amount of water we use. They talked about reusing. We pack four lunches a day, four kids lunches a day, right? Every day. And that means we go through a lot of sandwich bags, you know, with snacks and stuff like that in it. And they said, what if we get some kind of reusable packaging, reusable stuff for putting our snacks and whatnot in for our lunches? I said, okay, that's a good idea. So we started doing that. We started already, we probably saved, I don't know, 10 or 12 sandwich bags, which isn't a lot. But but when you start adding that up over the course of, of years to come, it's going to be a, a big impact, not necessarily carbon footprint, but in terms of pollution, plastic and yeah. pollution and whatnot. And I guess somewhat, you know, if you think about the shipping costs and, and the shipping of stuff, you know, reducing the amount of stuff that we're buying from the store and the packaging, et cetera. We also, my wife suggested that she could carpool one day a week to my daughter's gymnastics because, uh, there's another family that goes that lives really close to us. So uh, once a week or twice a week, they're going to carpool for their trip to gymnastics. So that's going to save a at least one car trip a week, if not two. And then um, we talked about going one day a week where we don't eat any packaged foods, you know, no prepackaged granola bars or, or things like that. So certainly there's this idea that, you know, we're going to do, we are already doing these things, right? So we're, we're implementing these things and we're doing them. But it also helped me engage four, you know, five other human beings who are also living on this planet with us into this conversation where it's now part of their psyche. It's now part of their reality. It's now part of their mindfulness of their impact on the planet. And they're going to think about things that they can do. So it's interesting about how when you fail, 
you learn, it forces you into a corner a little bit and, and it forced me into the corner of like, Hey guys, I need, I need help to my family. And, and, and now this is more, you know, we're all going to be better off because of it, because now this is part of their psyche and we've come up with some other alternative ideas, et cetera. Now you said when you failed and this happens, some people, when they fail, this happens, but some people, when they fail, they give up. I, What's motivating you? First, I was like, oh, I hope he's not doing this just for me. But now it'd be, it would be totally flattering myself to think that I was having that kind of influence on you because this sounds like something there's a lot more motivating you than me. That's what I feel like. Well, yeah, absolutely. So it's interesting. It's a program that I teach. It's called Reveal Your Path. There's four steps. We start out with core values. That's the first step. We do the work to discover people's core values. And, and then we build on top of those core values. We build goals that align with those core values. And the third step is we work on your environment of excellence. We help you create this high performance, peak performance environment where you can achieve your goals, your personal goals, your professional goals, your health goals, et cetera, your wealth goals. And then the fourth piece is, is creating a plan for follow through. So part one, core values you know, the environment is important to me. You know, I was an environmental science major in college. I consider myself an environmentalist. So this aligned with my core values. So when you have a goal that aligns with your core values, mm -hmm. it's harder to quit when you run into failure, right? So when I was a wrestler, that was something that was very important to me, right? Becoming this, you know, becoming the person that I wanted to become through wrestling. Whenever I failed, it was hard to quit because it was something that was deeply important to me. Right. So it's the same with this. So this is important to me at a level beyond just like, hey, I want to do this for fun. Well, it's not for fun. I, this is something that's important to me. So it aligns with my goals. So that's one. And then the second reason why it was hard to give up on this is because I had as part of my environment of excellence, you, Josh, and all the listeners who are listening. So this is this level of accountability. Right. I put it out there. I told you that I was going to do this. And, and sure, certainly I could have said, Josh, hey, I can't do it. Sorry, I failed. I give up. But that would not have felt good to me because I felt accountable to you. And, and whenever we have that level of accountability, we have that best part of our environment of excellence, then we're just able to, we're able to achieve more and push through failure and deal with failure at a, at a more, at a healthier level. And you chose to make me a tool for your accountability. Is that right? Yeah. If you didn't care about the environment in the first place, you wouldn't have done it. So it's, I'm like a side thing. If I read you right. Sure. Like, it could have been someone else that you would have been accountable to. But there's also a bunch of listeners still. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, so it's more than just one person. It's, it's you as a friend and as somebody who I support in sort of your mission in life. And then there's also sort of all the listeners. So this is a public thing. So you, you're like, okay, I, the first plan of attack didn't work. Or what did you think? I mean, what happened was you started, you brought in your family and started opening up with them and talking to them about it. But what was the, can you walk me through? In your words, I wouldn't put it this way, but I think in your words, you recognize something was failing, but you didn't want to fail. Yeah. So subconsciously, the sort of first reaction was, I'm just going to give up on this. I can't do this. This doesn't fit my life. And, you know, that was sort of the, the knee jerk reaction. And reaction was just like, I don't need to do this. I've got a lot of things on my plate. You know, my, you know, I'm working a lot of hours and I've got my own podcast and working weekends. My wife's in full-time grad school and four kids. It's, I don't need to do this. You know, I'm just going to go back to the way it was. Then I said, wait a second, that's failure. That's quitting. And whenever you run into a challenge, there's always a way around it. And so here's a recent example of, of sort of that really, I think, exemplifies this. So like I said, we, busy house, busy home, four kids. And my wife, Allie, is now doing full-time grad school this semester. <laughs> and it's on top of life. And 
up until this point, there was, we would have both said there's no time for her to find, you know, six or eight hours a week in the evenings. And in addition to her day work that she does for grad school and her internship, et cetera, to, to study. Well, we found it because we committed to it, you know? And so I thought to myself, whenever I couldn't find a way to get to do these bus trips, it was like, okay, what's the next level of thinking that I can do around this challenge? And it was simply find a way, find another way. And so I said, okay, well, what if, you know, yes, there's a great way to just sort of look at problems and go like, so what if, what if you could do it? What if hypothetically you could succeed at this? What would that look like? And I said, oh, okay, well, hypothetically, if I could succeed, I could, you know, just tell my wife, I'm going to, and kids, hey, I'm going to, you know, it's one less hour a week you're going to get of daddy being around. Or what are some alternative ways? So I started, started thinking of some alternatives. I said, you know, I could think of the alternatives, but maybe maybe I can engage my family in this. And so one of, sort of, I have a, a goal-setting worksheet that, that I go through with my clients. And one of the questions is, who are the people or groups of people who or organizations who can help you achieve this goal? It's pretty simple on this one. My family, mm -hmm. you know, let's sit down and it was a great topic of conversation over a family dinner and uh, they helped me find solutions. And and they're all sort of a level of accountability for me. And we're kind of on a team now doing this and we're all accountable to each other. So someone goes to get a shower. It's like, OK, five minutes, set a timer. You know, the sandwich bag thing, you know, where the, you know, reducing those. It's like, OK, we got to make sure the Tupperware is clean so we can use less of those, use less of the sandwich bags and just kind of reuse, you know, use the, the plastic stuff that we already have in the cabinet, you know. So making sure that stuff's clean. And if it's not, just making sure we wash it by hand or whatever before we're, when we're packing kids lunches. So it's, it seems like such a, a trivial, meaningless thing to, to talk about, just like packing kids lunches. But it's like this is this it's a microcosm of everything else that we're trying to do in terms of you know minimizing our impact on the environment. To me, when you say you're framing it in terms of impacting the environment, and that's one perspective, which is to me valuable. There's another perspective when you care about the level of detail like that. It's integrity. Like integrity is what you do when no one pays attention. And if you don't care about the details of things. You know, that's like the difference between an artist and someone who's just like a hack is, well, there's many differences, but one of them is that, you know, you pay attention to every little detail. And yeah. once you get to, you care about the details, you can't be satisfied with not caring about the details anymore. Yeah. And that to me is a major element of effective leadership is integrity. If you're going to practice to wrestle and no one's around, so you just take it easy and tell people that you did the full thing. Yeah. Like. That's not going to work very well. No. The opponent's going to figure that one out. Yep. And you're going to figure that out too. When you're the one who deep down knows when you step on the, in the center of the mat and you're about to go to battle that you cut corners, you know, and the same thing for leadership. You know, if you're cutting corners and you have to stand up and face the team that you're leading, knowing that you cut corners, there's just going to be different. You're going to have a different tone of voice. You're going to have a different stance. You're going to say some different words. You're going to have the, the little bit of self-doubt is going to creep through and be visible when those listening to you kind of read between the lines. It's going to come through and your leadership is going to be impacted just enough by those cutting of the corners. And you can't fake it. And people can tell. And if you don't have it, you're not part of that community. And if you do have it, you can fail all the time in the overt stuff, but the underneath, people who recognize it will get it. Right. Like I talk to people sometimes that are afraid to go to the gym because they think that if they're not in shape, then they'll get made fun of. But any time I've had any interaction with people at the gym, that's always been supportive. Right. But I guess if you're there and you just go to the gym and you're just taking selfies and checking your email and not really exercising, 
people might give you friction on that. But if you're there to work out, I think people are always going to support you. And I think that's the same with leadership. It's it, or the same with anything. Like people who exude it will see that you're exuding it or trying if that's all you have. Right. I'm curious. All right. You've described what you did. So you took on a challenge. The challenge had unexpected consequences. Okay. You said, all right, well, that's the end of that. Oh, wait, no, I'm not going to take that. What can I do? Oh, my family. I can work with my family. So you worked with the family. That's the facts. How do you feel about it? What's the meaning of it? That's an interesting question. And how I feel about it is there's a level of, uh, of satisfaction in knowledge reinforcing that I can overcome challenges. I can face failure and find a different way, find a better way, find a new way. I can engage other people and let them help me because there are other people out there in this world who can help me and are, and are willing to help me and are willing to be my partners in facing these challenges. And those people are out there for whatever challenge it is, for the listener, whatever challenge you're facing in your life right now, there are people out there, there are groups of people, there are individuals, there are organizations that can help you. You just have to go talk to them. You gotta pick up the phone, you gotta show up at a meeting, you gotta go on the website, you gotta register for an event, just do it. Just start engaging, getting out there and, and meeting the people who are, who are out there that can help you. And, and so in terms of how do I feel, I feel like my system works. I feel like my system of knowing my core values, second, having goals that align with those core values, and third, having an environment of excellence, and then fourth, having a plan for follow through. When you put all four of these things together, you can deal with failure. Feeling inspired? Do you like hearing others acting that you're not alone? Go to joshuaspodek.com slash podcast to hear other interviews, but even more valuable, join the growing community of people who care enough to act not just talk. Read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more, and finding people following you without you even trying. That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values. So when you talk to your family, how did you feel? Okay, you came to them with, I didn't succeed. Maybe you even said that you failed. I'm not sure. Were you humble? Were you vulnerable? Were you proud? I mean, because that to me is the challenge. Because once you got the family involved, well, I, I mean, you have a family that you've raised, so I presume they're supportive and so forth. So you had people to go to. Maybe yeah. others don't have that. But still, was it hard for you to talk to them? Was it hard for you to, like, did they know about this beforehand? Were you risking something? Were you, how did you feel? What got you there? So they did not know about the challenge beforehand. And were you going to say something else? Go ahead. I'm trying to make all this stuff accessible to people and for yeah. people to say, like, where's the hard part? Where's the part among the many places it can be hard? Because I think going to others for help is hard. Yeah, good question. Here's how I felt. And here's the hard part. What I felt, and I feel this way in other areas of my life with my mastermind group, with other people that I talk to and lean on for advice and suggestions and help when I'm facing struggle, challenges, adversity, failures, and setback, I felt relieved. I felt relieved that I could go to people and say, help me, help me think this through. I need you and those people helping me, right? So I felt, how do I feel? I felt relieved. I didn't feel embarrassed. I didn't feel hesitant. None of those things. It was a feeling of relief knowing that I could sit down with people who cared for me and cared about my success and maybe cared at some level about the same kind of things that I do because my kids care about the environment. My, my wife certainly does. And so I felt relieved. And so here's the hard part. The whole, the hard part in all of this is the first part is that moment where I talked about earlier where, where I said, I failed. I can't do this. Forget it. 
let me just move on with my life. It's that's the hard part. You've got to catch yourself at the hard part and go, okay, stop. Because you drift through that pretty quickly, especially if, if there's no level of accountability. You know, you drift through that pretty quickly and go, okay. You mean you could wake up one morning and say, oh, you know, I just let that go. And oh, yep. I didn't really want to do that. Didn't really want to do it. I'm, you know, forget it. It'll be okay. You know, I'm, I'm okay. Life's okay the way it is. I don't have to lose the weight. I don't have to get that job. I don't need my degree. I don't need to finish my degree anyway. I don't need to, whatever it is, you know, it's so easy to brush that under the rug and move on and live with that failure, right? The hard part is to catch yourself there and say, whoa, 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 what if, what if this was possible? What if I could do this? What if I could make change? That's the crux. That's the hard part. If you catch yourself at that moment and ask yourself the right question, and I define these, this, this whole idea of stopping and pausing and, and zooming out from your life, I define it as a productive pause. And I can't remember if we talked about it in our first conversation or not, but you know, it's a short period. I define it as a short period of focused reflection around specific questions that leads to clarity of action and peace of mind. And that's what we want is that clarity of action. Okay. Okay. So I failed and. My clarity of action comes from going, okay, you know, I'm just going to sweep it under the rug. Okay. That's my clarity of action. That's my maybe lack of peace of mind, but a little bit of peace of mind going, okay, I'm done with that. I'm going to move past it. As opposed to going, wait a second, let me look at this other direction, which is a little foggier. It would be more rewarding if I can get through it, but it's a little more cloudy. I can't see the path forward there. So when you get to that point and go, okay, I can take the easy route and just give up and fail and live with the doubt and the failure, or I can look at the, take the harder route and say, what if, what if it was possible? What if hypothetically, what if I actually could do this? What would be my next step? What if I could do this? Who would be the people or the person that could help me with this? What if I could do this? What would be the first, what would be step one to getting, to taking action and getting things done and moving towards the direction of success in this. That's the crux. If you can catch yourself at that moment and ask yourself a, a hard question, the what if question, then, then success becomes much more attainable. I feel like what you're catching there is the word impulse. Is that, is that what you're catching? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's probably the right word. Yeah. Yeah. To catch that impulse before you act on it, which would be the opposite of yeah. leadership is like reactivity. Yeah. Okay, you could have accepted the impulse. You could have given up, but you wouldn't call it giving up in that case. You, would, you could have said, you know, this isn't working. I'm not going to do it. And instead you did what you described, like the hard way of doing things, but you knew that there was a reward on the other side. What is on the other side? And how would you compare what you're doing now versus what you would have done before, what you would have done otherwise? Um, so what I would have done. So what happens when you give up? and just fail is it's like that one more seed, just one more seed in that, that lawn of self-doubt that we all sort of plant for ourselves throughout our life. Right. And so it's one less seed that's not in that lawn. You know, it's one more seed that's on the other side of the fence, which is growing positivity and, and confidence and the ability to deal with failure. So that's kind of the shift that happens, right? It's, this is one little thing that, that convinces me a little bit more that I can succeed despite failure or even oftentimes because of failure. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's, it feels to me like that one seed is like a very important seed. Yeah. And who was it? Jim Collins or uh, is it Good to Great or maybe Seven Habits where they talk about ropes? You know, a rope is, you know, any one little fiber is not a big deal, but all of them together is like, that's who you are. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just this fabric of who you are that's just weaved through all these experiences and these 
you know, these failures, you know, it's like, you know, I think about my wrestling career and, you know, all the failures that eventually led to success. And like, I know that I can work really, really hard, harder than most people. And I know that I can deal with pain and suffering and failure, but still come out and find success. I know because I've, I've had that experience at least once. And once you experience that, that, that depth of an emotional level, and that's much more deeper, more emotional than, than what we're talking about here in terms of, uh, uh, you know, the environmental challenge here. But when you have that deep level, that was a big one for me, but there's also a hundred or a thousand little ones that also led to that, you know, whether it's, you know, in practice or dealing with an injury or conversation with a coach, et cetera. These are all part of that fabric that's weaved of this fabric of our psyche that, that tells us whether or not we're afraid of failure or we can deal successfully with failure. Now, someone might be listening to this and saying, well, he's had that depth experience and so he can get through this, but I have not had that depth of experience, so I can't do it. Someone might think something like that. They probably won't think it consciously. A lot of people, like the impulse happens and then they're on the other side and they're already accepting. But to someone who's listening and thinking, should I do this or not? Well, he's got more ammunition. He's got more experience. Of course he can do it. I can't. But this could be one of the things that leads up to it for that person. Mm -hmm. Like you had all those things that built up to the ability to do the hard thing that enables you to take on this and think of what I thought of when you said relief, I was expecting it to be like something really difficult. But for you to say, I'm going to get help from others is not embarrassment or humility or anything like that. It's like relief. I'm like, wow, I didn't expect that one. So I'm really like that opened my eyes, my heart as well. And if you want that, you get that from, well, the middle step or like going backward, it was the most recent thing was having had such a the big experiences from wrestling. But those big, deep experiences came from things just like this. That's right. And. One thing that I should point out is in that one seven minute match that determined whether I was quote successful or, or not successful, you know, becoming an all American or not all American, I won by two points. So it was a close match and it, it could have, you know, could have very easily gone the other way. And would that have shifted my psyche and, and made me feel like more of a failure? I, I don't know. I can't answer that. Obviously I can't answer that. I, w- I would like to think no, you know, that it wouldn't have, but you know, it's like, we're all so close. We've all had those close calls, those close opportunities. We were a finalist for a job, but we didn't get it, or we almost completed this, or we almost succeeded in that. And it's like the fine line and the, the things that, that can, that are out of your control. Had I been sick that day, right? Had the referee made a bad call, had a million other things outside of my control impacted this and changed the outcome, you know, that doesn't change who I am and who you are as the listener. You are still born with all of the capabilities, all of the ability, any of the most amazing people in history, you have that in you too. And so you can't let one experience or even a multitude of experiences stop you. You've got to look at other experiences like my experience and, and, you know, read books about, you know, Abraham Lincoln and Michael Jordan and their failures and their struggles and, and go, oh, okay, well, gosh, I haven't failed like that. So I guess I can. I guess I can push through this and achieve this. Yeah, I guess I can still fail. I have more failure to get and still without it keeping me from greatness. Or maybe I have more failure to give and that will help me get to greatness. Yeah. So in the context, actually, of of things, the fabric of something being built up by thread by thread and a lawn seed by seed, I want to comment on one thing 
that might seem like a side thing, but you said that maybe it's not that big of a deal not to use a couple of sandwich bags here and there. But when you look at it in the long term, it all adds up. That may be the case, and I don't want to detract from that. But I think that one of the things that I'm realizing in this show is that much more than one little act here and there is the mind shift that leads to the person who cares about a little bag here and there will also figure out a way to make much bigger changes. Yes. But if you never get past the sandwich bags, you won't get to those other big things. So yes, it's nice to save a bag here and there. And I hope that people will save bags all over the place. But with the real value is that then you'll also do the showers. Then you'll also do fewer car rides. Then you'll also do right. other things. And then next thing you know, you're living a life and two things have happened. One, you made much bigger effect than you expected. Yeah. And personally, internally, you're living more and more by your values and less and less of being like, oh, I just can't do that. And less eating. you. I call it like eating you up inside and feeling guilty and just feeling resigned and giving into feelings of futility. Right. It's not about the plastic bags. It's about the mindset. You know, it's yeah, it's the responsibility, the yes. effect on others, the empathy, the compassion. Yes. And that's in anything. It's in success. It's in business and relationships and health. You know, it's not about like, you know, finishing your workout. You know, if your personal trainer or whatever tells you to do 10 pushups and, you know, you do 11. It's like, well, it's not about doing the one extra push up. It's about the mindset. Your goal, you know, and this is something that I, that I learned was, you know, long ago was like, you know, coach tells you to do 10 pushups, you do 11. It's not about the one more push up, right? It's about the mindset of I'm always going to do more and I'm training, I'm practicing. It's like your Sid Shaw, the self-imposed daily challenging healthy activity. It's about this idea of discipline and you discipline yourself to do more in one thing then it carries over to doing more. And yeah, you discipline yourself to do, you know, to be smarter about packing my kids' lunches. And that discipline carries over to other areas of my life, like showering, like carpooling, like other things that we do, the impacting environment. So it's the minds. It's not about the plastic bag. If there's a quote come, that comes out of this podcast, it's not about the plastic bags. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, kind of, I mean, the plastic bag is what it's, that's the medium or that's the catalyst. It's about the mindset. Yeah, right, right. And I have to say, when, to hear someone say, yeah, you're Sid Chai, the self-imposed daily challenging healthy activities, how heartwarming that is. <laughs> I have to indulge in like sharing how, <laughs> yeah. how good that feels. Love that. Everybody in my Facebook group, they know about the Sid Chai, my all my clients that, uh, that I've ever worked with are in that Facebook group. And we do a new one every month. So we kind of refresh it. So we choose one thing that we're going to do every day for the month. And then each, the next month, we choose a different one. If it's a little different than yours, you're doing the same one. But it's still the concept of a daily challenging, healthy activity. And people love it. I'm actually indifferent from my perspective, as long as it's self-imposed daily, challenging, healthy, and active, whether you switch or not all the time. Like yeah. if you have one that's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, another that's Tuesday, Thursday, and or if you do one for one month, another for another month, that's all fine with me. Yeah. As long as it meets those criteria, I think that that makes it, and it will give you the value. Of, you know, It will make you the best in the world of in your thing. It's the bedrock on which to build yeah. your success and so forth in life. Yeah. And again, it's not about the Sid Shaw. It's about the, the mindset. Yeah. That's the access to it. You know what I mean? That, that builds the mindset. That's the access to it. Right. And now I got to leave some for our next conversation. And this one has been quite revealing. And, and I hope that people are like, I think it's amazing to hear someone who's, you know, championship wrestler. Now he's struggling with something that would seem on the surface easier. Or maybe they think, oh, he's a coach. So he, this is going to be trivial for him. And it's not. But if they didn't hear the middle steps, they might think, Oh yeah, all he did was, okay, that didn't work. So he switched, but it's not so easy, except it is once you decide that moment that you talked about, 
once you adopt the mindset of let's figure this out, it actually is easy again. It is fun again. It is yeah. a family thing. And as opposed to eating up inside and being like, oh, God, I don't want to deal with that. Josh's thing is so annoying. Like, I don't want to, oh, I got other priorities. Right. Whereas for you, it's like, it's, no, I don't hear guilt and shame in what you're doing. Right. Yeah. Like I said, it was a relief to have people I could go to and work through the problem with them. Now I'm, I want to ask you a different question. This is a personal one, personal for me, because I'm having, as I do more and more of these interviews, I'm finding many different responses than I expected. And I'm evolving. I think listeners are going to hear that. You changed your podcast from, if I remember right, it was like Wrestling with Success. Yeah. Now it's Success Through Failure. I think there was another, right. a third name at some point. Yeah. It started out as Wrestling with Greatness and then moved to Wrestling with Success and now Success Through Failure. Yeah. <laughs> was that rebranding to for other people, for yourself? It was more for other people, to be honest. It was about really figuring out what I was trying to teach. And in the end, that that is the message. It is success through failure. I think the name says it all. And it didn't in the beginning. Now, now the name says it all. I was actually talking to prospective guests a while back. I bumped into him at a conference and he was an amazing individual. I said, it's uh, my podcast, Success Through Failure. And I said, it's about, and he says, you don't need to explain what it's about. The name says it all. Uh, yeah. And you're like, that's it. Yeah, that's it. I'm like, okay, yeah, they got the right thing. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's just I'm finding it's leading, it's spurring more introspection and change in myself than I expected, which is I'm very pleased to find out. And so I saw your change and was curious about that. Yeah. So for the next conversation, for the second conversation, should we keep it where it was and then talk then despite doing different things? Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Okay, sounds good. So let's wrap up there. And thank you for sharing the middle step, both the email that prompted this and then this. Yeah, the messy metal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. So I'll talk to you in a little bit and thank you again. Awesome. Thanks, Josh. Okay, bye. Bye. I love how Jim took a challenge that for a lot of people, they might have said, you know what, this is too hard or it's too much conflict. And instead, he said, what resources do I have? What can I do here? And he involved the people affected in the problem and in the solution. And now he's spending more time with his kids, more time with his wife, and for that matter, more time with the families of his kids' friends, carpooling and so forth. That's creating community. Now, some people might listen to this and think, well, Jim did these big things in his past. He was an athlete, and those things that he learned, they apply here. I don't have that. Well, if you don't have that, this is your chance. That's what I'm finding over and over again with people taking on these challenges with the environment. If you're looking to develop experiences where you succeed over failure, the environment is a place where you can do it because most of us want to, if you're listening to this, you want to leave the world a better place than you found it. This is your chance to develop experiences like Jim had, and then you can apply them in your life all over the place. I also love how when you act on your values, you like accountability. You want responsibility. That's what Jim did, and he used it. He used all these different things. I recommend listening to this again just to hear all the different ways that Jim was able to make things work for him. I also know that there's an episode two coming up. This is episode 1.5, and that one's after Jim and I met in person, so it's even more friendly. So I look forward to seeing you there. Did you feel inspired too? Then act. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others. Value means better and worse, and living by your values means living better by your values. You may struggle at first, but it's the hero's journey from living by others' values 
to living by yours. People say that little things add up. I won't argue against it, but what I find counts is acting. Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating others should act first or making excuses to the empowering I can make a difference and living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.